Dear listeners, are you tired of the endless cycle of fad diets and extreme measures? It's time to wake up to a better weight loss solution with Robody. As someone who's been through the ups and downs of weight loss, I know firsthand the challenge of trying to find what will stick. That's why if I qualified for Robody today, I'd jump at the chance for a scientifically backed program that supports long-term success. With Robody, you'll gain access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market, paired with personalized lifestyle changes. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Row to help them lose weight. Say goodbye to the roller coaster of weight loss dreams and hello to sustainable, real results with Robody. Go to row.co slash snoozecast. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash snoozecast. review on the podcast app or wherever you listen. Also, share it with a friend. This episode is supported by Sacred Geometry. Tonight, we'll be reading the opening chapter to the Count of Monte Cristo, completed in 1844 by French author Alexander Dumas. Considered a literary classic today, the story takes place in France, Italy, and islands in the Mediterranean during the historical events of 1815 through 1839, the era of the Bourbon Restoration through the reign of Louis-Philippe of France. An adventure story primarily concerned with themes of hope justice, vengeance, mercy, and forgiveness. It centers on a man who is wrongfully imprisoned, escapes from jail, acquires a fortune, and sets about exacting revenge on those responsible for his imprisonment. His plans have devastating consequences for both the innocent and the guilty. Take a few 
deep breaths. Chapter 1 Marseille, the arrival. On the 24th of February, 1815, the lookout at Notre Dame de la Garde signaled the three master, the Pharaon from Smyrna, Triste, and Naples. As usual, a pilot put off immediately and, rounding the Chateau d'Oeuf, got on board the vessel between Cape Morgio and Rion Island. Immediately, and according to custom, the ramparts of Fort Saint-Jean were covered with spectators. It is always an event at Marseille for a ship to come into port, especially when this ship, like the Pharone, has been built, rigged, and laden at the old Fosse docks and belongs to an owner of the city. The ship drew on and had safely passed the strait, which some volcanic shock had made between the Castle Rain and Jaros Islands, had doubled Pomeg, and approached the harbor under topsails, jib, and spanker, but so slowly and sedately that the idlers, with that instinct which is the forerunner of evil, asked one another what misfortune could have happened on board. However, those experienced in navigation saw plainly that if any accident had occurred, it was not to the vessel herself for she bore down with all the evidence of being skillfully handled. The anchor, a cockbill, the jib-boom guys already eased off, and standing by the side of the pilot, who was steering the pharaoh towards the narrow entrance of the inner port, was a young man who, with activity and vigilant eye, watched every motion of the ship and repeated each direction of the pilot. The vague disquietude which prevailed among the spectators had so much affected one of the crowd that he did not await the arrival of the vessel in harbor, but, jumping into a small skiff, desired to be pulled alongside the pharaoh, which he reached as she rounded into La Reserve Basin. When the young man on board saw this person approach, he left his station by the pilot and, hat in hand, leaned over the ship's bulwarks. He was a fine, tall, slim young fellow of 18 or 20, with black eyes and hair as dark as a raven's wing and his whole appearance bespoke that calmness and resolution peculiar to men accustomed from their cradle to contempt.